How's everybody? All right. A couple things going on. Um, first of all, first of all, the Strawberry Festival. Thank you for those who are willing to help out with that. Uh, next, last week we had groundbreaking. How many enjoyed that? It's fun. It was so us. I know sometimes it gets formal and there's ribbons and all these things. For us, we just wanted to break ground before the bulldozers go to town out there in the next few weeks. And, um, and we did communion out there. And then what we did was we had these popsicle sticks, or as I was calling them, uh, tongue dispensers last week. Tongue depressor. That one. Large popsicle sticks. Okay? And what we did was we, we encouraged everybody to write something down. We had permanent markers. Write a declaration. Write something you want legacy something you want your children saved, a verse, something of a declaration. Uh, we had people write that down and put a plant a stake in the ground. Kind of went off of Isaiah, the, the tent post uh, expanding and, and kind of expanding the tent, right? So we're like, let's put a stake in the ground. This is your home. This is your church. This is your building expansion, not, not just the pastors or whatever. Uh, so as you walk out today, if you missed last week, as you walk out, there, those um, popsicle sticks— and permanent markers will be out on a table. You can grab one, write something on it, and we put those all on the ground in front of the bulldozer, in front of the big blade. There, you'll see a bunch of popsicle sticks there. Plant it in the ground. Those are going to get probably to uh, sown into the ground here. So that's what we want. We're sowing that seed of, of legacy of what's to come, that next generation kind of thinking 100 years down the road. Um, so we don't want to leave you out. We want you to be a part of it. Okay, let's get right into this. We, um, we, we concluded last week and maybe a little bit of this week that series called Simply Jesus, His Last Words. So really last week was that last, that eighth appearance of Jesus where he showed up after the resurrection, that 40 days of teaching the kingdom, right, if you were here last week. And, um, and there, was, there was three points last week. Anybody remember them? This is great. This is awesome. How about I give them to you? Presence. Presence. Are we, are we tracking now? Power, right? Power and promise. So the three points last week, really, before we got into the kingdom and the expansion and, and kind of that groundbreaking realm, it was the presence, the, the, the personal presence, Holy Spirit, Jesus being promised to us, right? And then the power. You will be, you will receive power and be my witnesses. And then after that, Jesus ascended, and then the angel showed up, and he says the same way he ascended is the same way he'll return. The promise of Jesus' return, all right? So I said that's a part one of part two, but we kind of like we're finishing this series. It's a little awkward right now, um, but it's, it's about his last words. And some of his last words were about the promise of the outpouring of his spirit, so we're going to, those of you who weren't here, we're going to just kind of pick up and just read a few verses from last week in Acts 1. So Acts 1, 4 through 12, I believe. Once he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that he prophesied. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore the kingdom? We talked a lot about the kingdom last week. He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates. Remember? Nunya. Nunya business. That's what Jesus is saying here. And they are not for you to know, but you will receive power. Everybody say power. power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Say upon you. Upon me, say upon me. upon me. Come on. 
And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So here we pick up in Acts 2. All right? So we're just going to kind of get right into this thing. You all right with that? So today is known as Pentecost Sunday. Two sectors of people get really excited about this. Jewish people and Pentecostal people. Charismatic Pentecostal people. We get, we get jazzed about this. We're, we're not necessarily in either category, but we dip in some of our heritage is from that Pentecostal background and, and, and realm. So anyway, uh, let, let's just get into the event, the catalyst, the, the very thing that launched Christianity. This was, this was the first gospel message. This was the first crusade. This was the original Jesus people movement right here. Holy Spirit gets poured out. We're going to get into it. Peter preaches a gospel message. Thousands get saved that day. This, this phenomenon happened where the Spirit's poured out and manifested in this wild way. And then all of a sudden, they build this community, and then they scatter and go from there. So kind of the point of the message today is to gather and go. Everybody say, gather and go. Those are your two points. Gather, go. We gather as a people. We gather around His presence. That's the number one thing. We want to gather around his presence. We don't want to build these structures and build this expansion and ask Jesus to fill it. We want to build around what Jesus is doing. We want to build around, and Jesus is that center stake. Like, he is the cornerstone. He is that, that very thing in essence that we build around. We're not inviting him in to come in as an afterthought or, or let us follow you. No, be with us, right? So, so then he's gathering. Then we get to gather as a people like-minded in unity around his presence, gathering around his presence as a people, and then we get filled up to the point of overflow, right? Anybody remember some, some things in the Bible? It says, my cup runneth what? Over. We get so filled up of the Holy Spirit, so much of Jesus, that we actually overflow and leak out onto others when we go. Are, are you with me? So everybody say gather. Everybody say Go. So Pentecost, though, it was not just this Pentecostal event, all right? Uh, it was a pilgrimage, a Jewish pilgrimage holiday. Let's get into some history here, all right? There was three times a year, essentially, that Jewish people would, would gather from all over, all around, all nations. They would come. They would go on this journey, and they would gather three times a year uh, in Jerusalem, and, and one of them is Pentecost. But the other three, they, we have Passover, all right, which would be the spring, we have the tabernacles, which would be in the fall, and then we have this Pentecost. And really, it was essentially, it means 50-ish, but it's seven weeks. It's the seven of seven weeks, right? So 49 days, and then they celebrated on the 50th. So the Penta is 50. So they would celebrate, and they would gather, and it's really gathering around the first fruits. And when it was from, uh, when the Passover was from, you know, celebrating some of this. So, so it was associated with the giving of the Torah on Mount Sinai, all right, so it's gathering around this, this thing, and it was an offering of thanks to God. So, so first off, that builds kind of the foundation of you got to understand that people were coming from all over. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people were together in this, in this region right now gathering for Pentecost. All right? Do you think God's strategic in when and how he does things? Yeah, he is. Let me just encourage you not to be afraid of what's going on in the world right now. If you get down, if you get depressed, if you get discouraged by what's happening in the world, just remember he's done this before. 
He's been here, done that, all right? And just remember the blood of Jesus freed you. When you think you're having a bad day, you are freed by the blood of Jesus. You are redeemed. You are reconciled back to the Father. Your ticket is going to heaven. Is that not enough to get through your woes? You're redeemed, bought with a price, paid for by the blood of the Lamb, and Jesus gave himself a sacrifice, and he's promised of his return. And one day you'll be seeing him and be with him face to face. That alone is enough hope for me to know that when I'm dealing with a septic situation at my house and I'm digging poo and I've got my hands and I'm up to my elbows in crap. I so bad wanted to say the bad one, guys. Just kidding. I realize that I, I, I'm actually highly favored because the Lord of Lords and the host of hosts, the Alpha, the Omega, Jehovah loves me. A couple weeks ago, I find out my truck engine blew. And thing after thing after thing. And guess what? I'm bought by the blood of the Lamb. I am purchased with a price. And my money situation here, my truck situation, and my septic tank situation does not go to heaven with me. There's no crap in heaven. We won't even have the bodily form we have now, so there will be no need for septic systems in heaven. Let's get back on track here. So they're gathering. There's thousands of people. They're, they're gathering around this feast, right? And, and what's happening is it's, he's very strategic in what's about to happen. So let's go to Acts 2. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Now there's this group, as we just read in Acts 1, that was waiting patiently on what the Lord had promised. The kingdom is going to be restored. The kingdom is going to come. John baptized with, fire, with water, but I'm baptizing with spirit, fire, power, right? He's saying, I I'm about to, it's, it's coming. Go, wait. So for about 10 days, they're up in this upper room waiting. I don't know if they were getting bored or figured like Jesus was just kind of like, they had this, this, this notion of the Holy Spirit. They, they replaced Judas as a, as a disciple, and now they're just waiting. I wonder if we come to church every Sunday with this anticipation and expectancy and trust and faith in God, if these wild things wouldn't happen every week. Are we just showing up and we're going to do our worship business, wait for Aaron to preach and go home and just be ready for lunch? I, I just wonder if like, we go with the same level of faith and expectancy that these guys were doing, these misfits, this, these basically messianic Jews were waiting for this outpouring and expecting it. If, that would, if the roof wouldn't literally be raised from this place weekly, like what would happen? We're about to see what happened here. It says, suddenly... There was a sound from heaven, like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. This, they said, the, the translation literally comes from, it was a violent sound. Have you heard people speak of being in a tornado in the sound of a train? Imagine that. Take, your take yourself to this place right now. You're sitting in this room. There's about 120 of you. You're in this upper room. You're gathering, you're waiting, and then all of a sudden, this windstorm happens, and it's so loud, it's called a violent rushing wind. Now, Luke, he gets pretty descriptive here. Then what looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages. Now, as we know, in, in Greek and Hebrew, there is no differentiation between the word language and tongues. 
just so you're aware of that. Well, this was in, their, this was in the geographical, no, like tongues and languages are, are the same. So they begin to speak in tongues. They begin to speak in languages. We'll, we'll get into this here in a second. As the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, noise everyone... Second, I'm having technical difficulties here. Everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. These people who had gathered for the Jewish holiday of Passover start hearing this crazy group of misfits up in this upper room going wild and probably experiencing this windstorm and seeing what is going on up there. If you remember the recordings of Azusa Street in L.A., they, literally the fire department was called and there was visible fire seen from that place. That wasn't a Bible story. That was modern day revival happening. So they're witnessing this phenomenon, and all of a sudden they start hearing. They're from all over. Here in a minute, I'm going to skip over these. But now Luke lists the 15 areas or nations that they're from. I don't want to offend anybody and butcher all these names. But he lists out these 15 nations, and they're hearing their native tongue of what's happening. So these people have gathered from all the nations. Essentially, he's summarizing the entire world has gathered here, and they're being wowed by the outpouring of the Spirit that I had promised because the kingdom is coming right now, and Israel's being freed right now. Let me pick back up here. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. Now, what are they speaking about? God. They're speaking about the things Jesus has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drinking, that's all. They're just drunk, that's all. Now, Peter steps up. You know, this isn't the first time Peter has stood up to defend Jesus. Remember when he cut off an ear? So wild man Peter, Peter, the one that denied Jesus three times. Peter, who is kind of even the outcast in his own group, and said, it wouldn't be me. Now Peter's being used to preach the first gospel message. Maybe you felt like a misfit. Maybe you felt like an outcast. Maybe you've messed up royally and feel like you don't belong. Let me just tell you this, you're sitting in a place and you're sitting in the presence of a Messiah who says otherwise and that he can use you. He uses me. He wants to. It's his purpose. It's his plan. It's the purpose of his spirit being poured out into you that you would have purpose and power. Let me, let me just move on here. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen up, all of you. Fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. And now he gets into this message from Joel, and he's quoting Joel. He's pulling from Ezekiel. He's pulling these things, and he delivers this gospel message. We'll go back in a minute, but I'm just going to read through the chapter. He says, in the last days, God says, he's speaking their language. 
He's quoting the word that they know. He's, he's pulling from the promises and the prophecies and everything they have memorized and everything they've devoted their life to. And he says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. But what's happening is many of them are missing it because they miss Jesus was the Messiah. So now here's what's happening when, when Jesus shows up in a way that you can't explain it in a way that, that you have no language or experiences. And some people here grew up in churches. My wife grew up in a church that was Jesus-loving, Bible-believing, but they never spoke about the Holy Spirit. And I'm not digging. I'm just saying many of us in this room have not been exposed to Holy Spirit. It's just been avoided because we're afraid of it. it he is the third person of the Godhead. He is the, the personal presence of Jesus. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And in those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike. And they will prophesy. I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now he starts, he starts making Jesus famous. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus, the Nazarene, by doing powerful miracles, wonders, signs through him, as, as you well know. Listen, like, this is no secret. These people have heard about Jesus. They heard about this miracle worker. They heard about this teacher. They heard about this prophet. But they were missing the mark that he was Messiah. But God knew what would happen. And in his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of the lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horse. Listen, he's not casting necessarily condemnation here. He's saying this is what happened. But wait, here it is. You nailed him to a cross and killed him, but God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. King David said this about him, I see that the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and my tongue shouts his praises. My body rests in hope, for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You have shown me the way of life, and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. Peter is anointed here. He's pulling from their language, from their heart, from what they know, all right? And then he's, he's connecting that to Jesus. And he's connecting, this is what's happened. This is what we've witnessed. We touched the hands. We touched the holes. We touched his side. We know who he is. Dear brothers, When Jesus is preached, man, things happen. When the true Jesus is preached, thousands are added to him. We want to sugarcoat it because healings might scare people away. We want to sugarcoat it because Holy Spirit might be, might be weird. Peter has no reservations right now about what he's spitting out to these people. 
Dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David wasn't referring to himself, for he died and was buried. And his tomb is still here among us. But he was a prophet, and he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on his throne. David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven and to God's right hand. And the Father, as he has promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us. Just as you see and hear today, for David himself never ascended into heaven, yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. So let everyone in Israel for the certain... uh, Know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what do we do? These people hear this message and they connect the dots. They're like, Oh. And they feel the anointing. They feel the spirit. They just saw this windstorm. They just, they just experienced these people speaking in all their languages. And then they're saying, oh, he was greater than what we thought. We spit on him. We ridiculed him. We put him on a cross. We crucified him. But what do we do now? Man, that's Jesus's mercy, isn't it? The very people who crucified him, the very people that turned their back on him, he's now saving them. And he's using the biggest misfit of the group, in my opinion. He's using Peter to deliver this this profound message to lead them to the eternity of the Father. Peter replied, Each one of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away. Oh, man, folks. When we turn our heart to Jesus, when we give our all, when we totally surrender to him, guess what that promise is for? Our children and our children's children and as far as we can see down the lineage. This promise is to you, your children, and those who are far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. Longer than I ever have. Strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves for this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Let me just finish this out. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. They get radically saved. Now they're all in. Now they don't just go, go, go home yet. They don't just go and and grill their hot dogs and, and, and go to their Mexican restaurant yet. They will. They do. They go to all their nations, and then there's a radical Christian movement. But here's what happens. It says, especially the local ones, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Anybody know why we do communion? Jesus said to, he modeled it, and still after his ascension, they still continued to break bread and take the Lord's Supper. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And who did? 
You mean it didn't stop when Jesus left the earth? That's authority right there. Amen, sister. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions, and they shared the money with those in need. And uh, they worshiped together at the temple each day. Each day. I know coming to church once a week is hard. But they met in the temple every day and house to house. Small groups. They engaged in community. They were fed in an intimate way beyond this corporate expression. They worshiped together in the temple of the day in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great what? And generosity. Do you think joy is a fruit of the Spirit? Yeah, I think so. I think, I think these are the fruits. All right, this is like get radically saved, get touched by Holy Spirit, get filled by the Holy Spirit. Now, all of a sudden, you're going to be walking in the miraculous signs and wonders. You're going to be anointed. You're going to have fun. You're going to be joyful. You're going to meet the needs of each other. You're going to be generous. And it goes on. All while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. Either one thing, we're too, too burnt out, or we don't have enough Jesus in us to enjoy the people around us. I feel that once we either have enough rest, we did a big thing on Sabbath, and once we have enough Holy Spirit in us, we're going to welcome people into our homes, and we're going to actually have fun doing that. All while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people, and each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. All right, let's, let's break this down quite a bit. It's amazing. 3,000 people, 120 people, first off, 12 people essentially, all right, gets, gets to experience 11, 11, 12-ish. People experience this radical appearance, these, these appearances, this, this discipleship from Jesus himself. The 11 get demonstrated of his resurrection. They get proved, all right? And, and then all of a sudden, he's promising these things. They go gather. Then there's 120 of them that gather in the upper room. This, this Holy Spirit gets poured out as promised, all right? And then suddenly, 3,000 get added, and then eventually they get scattered, all right? That will, that's a time for another sermon. They scatter. They eventually they're, they're gathering here. There was a martyr, all right? Things happened. It broke things up there. Then they scatter, and it became a Jesus people movement where hundreds of thousands of people were saved and delivered and experiencing Jesus here and then beyond into the, all the nations they came from. Isn't that the point of the true gospel and who Jesus really is, that we get so touched by who the reality of who he is that we go and tell people about it and we lead them to this experience of his goodness? The spirit in you is for you, but the spirit upon you is for others. The Holy Spirit's not this mystical, magical, weird little thing. It is the manifested personal presence of Jesus that lives in us, around us, through us, and upon us. Like, like Steve was saying, in us. Like this is the manifested personal person presence of Jesus. Now, if I experience something powerful, I share it with people. Yesterday, I, I put together my, my turkey fan and, and, like, this little mount and stuff. I was so excited. It was Sabbath. I'm just doing fun little things that I enjoy. I harvested a couple gallons of honey, and I, start, I put this thing together. 
And I'm so excited. I'm putting it up against the American flag. I'm taking pictures of it. I'm sending it to Matt and Scott. I was like, this is so awesome. I'm going, I'm walking to the house with it. I was in the barn. I'm walking to the house. Nicole's asleep, laying out. I was like, Nicole, come here. You got to see this. She's like, you woke me up. She's like, oh, that's awesome. That's worth it. There was a scale on whether or not waking her up was worth it. (laughs) Were you lying to me or was it really worth it? see you I see you we'll talk about that later I didn't see lying and sugarcoating things to make your husband feel good in these fruits of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit no but anyway I was so excited I got all the kids kids you got to see this come here and I'm like I'm putting it up against the wall I'm taking more pictures I sent another picture to Matt and Scott and I'm like I'm like I'm so pleased how this turned out I'm so proud of it this is awesome because I experienced something powerful to me most of you in here could care, couldn't care less about a turkey feather, all right? I'm just going to, including Nicole, okay? I get it. But I was excited. Now imagine you get radically saved. You, you start to experience the signs, the wonders, the miracles of his presence, of his spirit being poured out. What are you going to want to do if it's genuine and real? Go tell everybody about it. If you're not walking and experiencing, because the power of the Holy Spirit is that you'll be his witnesses, there's so much power in you, you want to tell everybody about it. It's like, it's like going to a doctor and getting this breakthrough. How do you think chiropractors and everybody else grow their business? Through doing a good job for you. All of a sudden, man, I'm, I walked in with back pain and now I'm free of back pain. Everybody's got to go to that chiropractor. They're the best. You ever hear people talk about their chiropractor? Whoever they go to is the best one. And everybody else are phonies and fakes and weird. Right? kind of like that I'm proud of my chiropractor all right so so anyway that that's the thing because you experience deliverance and some breakthrough right let me tell you what that back pain that went away does not compare about the eternal promise of his spirit and walking in joy and praising him and generosity and my heart being full and me having hope of eternity walking in the manifested presence of Jesus let's 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 break this down I haven't even got there yet I just want to make some connections in my last three minutes. All right. First off, these, these tongues and the, the, the different things, what's happening here. So Luke gave a very descriptive thing. And at one time, they were worshiping this false idol in, in the, called the Tower of Babel, right? And all of a sudden, God used that to scatter people. Now, to gather and go is different than to gather and scatter, It wasn't for the point to scatter. So in that time, they were putting a false idol. They were worshiping themselves and building this city. And and so God gave them all different languages. Now he's giving them a different language to actually gather and unify them. It's the reverse. This is all symbolizing that Israel is now freed. Israel's freed of the law. They're freed of, of of, of the oppression. They're free of this stuff to live out in the spirit in the knowing Jesus as Messiah for the eternal promise that he has came. He is here. He has risen. He has conquered death, hell, and the grave. And now his spirit that was promised has been poured out. So we get to, to the tongues and the wind and the fire. When else in the word was the wind and fire poured out? As we see, and we were talking a little bit about it upstairs, it, the fire led Israel out, of the, out into the promised land out of slavery and captivity into freedom, right? 
Again, they're being led out of slavery and captivity and law and into the freedom of the new covenant. Some other times, you know, to, to, to burn up idols and false altars and all these things. Now, now, let's get to the specifics. It was used on Mount Sinai with Moses, the burning bush, right? Mount Horab, which was Mount Sinai. And, and, and see, that bush was actually called the bush of Sinna. Sinai, Sinna. There was this burning bush, right? It was fire. So every time where the tabernacle was mentioned, Ezekiel, there was a fire involved the tabernacle. When Solomon was building the temple in Kings and Chronicles, right? The fire and glory was transitioned to the tabernacle. So now all of a sudden, the wind is singular. The word wind from this story is singular, meaning the Holy Spirit. And a lot of times there's this association of Hebrew and Greek to the Ruach breath of God. The same breath that breathed into Adam and brought life and hovering over the earth, right? It's the same wind that blew through that place that day. That's a singular thing symbolizing Holy Spirit. But the flames, the flames resting on their heads were plural. It was everybody in there experienced the flames. So there is a transitioning again where God is making, and Luke is making this connection. No longer is fire just associated with a building and a tabernacle and a temple. You are now the temple. You are the temple. The Holy Spirit manifested and poured out to where we don't have to have this day of atonement and the Holy of Holies, which another reference of fire and the Holy of Holies. You are now the temple of God. The new covenant is now you're the temple. You gather in a temple, but you are the temple. And when you gather together, the flames get bigger. When you gather together, so let's go to word context here. Good stuff. So Israel's freed from the lineage of David. The past was the tabernacle, but the present is the people. 2 Samuel 2.13 says this. 2 Samuel, uh, I think we're going to go, actually, I'm sorry, 7. I had the wrong verse on there. 2 Samuel 7, and we're going to go 8 through 17. I don't know if that matched up to what you guys had. Cool. Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you. Now, remember last week, David, right? David, he was forgotten about. He wasn't at the table. So, so we're going again from some of that place. I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people of Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make, you, I will make for you a great name like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people. Now Nathan is giving this prophetic word to David from the Lord. It says, and I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly. From the time that I was appointed judges over my people Israel, and I will give you the rest of all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. What lineage did Jesus come from? Go to the beginning of the Gospels, the lineage of David. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will dis discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. Who are we describing here? 
Jesus. But my steadfast love will not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. In accordance with these words, in accordance with all the vision, Nathan spoke to David. He, he, he built a house. They built this tabernacle, right? But he's saying, now I'm building a place that the kingdom will go forever. And, 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 and it's and he, my son. I'm going to be his father. He's going to be my son. He's going to take the stripes of men. And we will build a temple. Now we move on to Paul here. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 through 17. Paul says it like this. NIV. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person for God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. We together become this temple. We ourselves are his temple housing his presence. We are the table of showbread. Like, like we house the presence of Jesus now. We are the temple. Let, let, me, let me wrap this up. All right, so Peter preaches, this crazy stuff happens, there's an outpouring, all right, then there's community and fruit, all right, the strategy of the Lord is to gather people, pour out his presence, and we gather around his presence, we gather together in assignment to go, it's gather and go, it's gather and go, it's, it's alignment, it's getting that infilling, it's being filled up with his spirit for the assignment to go, could the band come and won't you stand with me, I accidentally just closed, thought I had more. <laughs> no, that's it. <laughs> gather and go. That we gather around his presence that, man, when you get into your word and you get into the meat and you, you, you begin to dive in, the, the, oh man, these guys, most of them had no connection to, to the past or to the people. And, and here, Peter's speaking this message. Now, obviously, most of those words and growing up in Jewish custom would be in their hearts. But here he's speaking their language. He's speaking directly to them, not just literal language, but also the metaphorical language of, of everything they were raised to know and believe. I'm here to say that there is a purpose that the, that the flames probably rested on the head because we have to crush mindsets. We have to burn up the mindsets, like well, I think Corey was mentioning wax. We've got to burn away the chafe and burn away the wax and burn away the things that get in the way. And many of that is religious spirits. We're not comfortable talking about Holy Spirit, so we just avoid it. Listen, I'm telling you what, when you're dealing with people, and this is the person presence of Jesus, things can get messy. When we deal with people in a church, things can get messy. When you're in a marriage, things can get messy. How many in here have ever disagreed with anybody in your life ever? No, some of you know. God bless you. Because it said, blessed are those who are not offended. Good job. I've been offended, I've been wrong, I've argued to be right. But there's mess when there's people, there's mess when it's coming together, and, and there's mess when there's church because people are involved. There's mess when there's things that happen that we can't explain, but since we've never experienced it, it's easier to avoid it or preach against it. I can't tell you how many preachers I've met that preach against Holy Spirit or, or preach against the baptism of the Holy Spirit or prophecy or all these things because they've never experienced it. 
I, I, I set this out early in my walk, trying to discover what is the word, what is real, what is for me, what is the Lord, what has been told to me my whole life. I think right now they're calling that deconstruction, the deconstruction of Christianity, right? And some of it's getting kind of unhealthy, some of it's good. But I went through that. I had to deconstruct everything I was told as a kid to figure out what is really in the word. I, I realized that I was growing up thinking these, some of these things that we were quoting weren't scriptures, they were actually songs. Like I was told my whole life that was a scripture. You, I guarantee you, you've all been in the same thing. I didn't grow up any more weird than probably most of you, just in a different realm. There's a book that Nicole's mom had that actually said everything that you were told like, like is different than what, like how many things are told scriptures. So I started deconstructing, that's the, the trending word right now, of what's real. And, and, and I just set out early on, I am not gonna listen to anybody who will preach against something just because they haven't experienced it. There's books out there called Strange Fire and all these things that preach against Holy Spirit and preach against the manifestations of Holy Spirit and the giftings of Holy Spirit simply because they've not experienced the authenticity and the purpose and the actual reality of it. Let me, let me finish this up. I'm also not saying it's all a requirement. Let me, just, let me just go there for a second and offend some people. The gifts of the Spirit are not a requirement to get in heaven. They're manifestations and powerful tools from the Holy Spirit. And let me just say this, you can't operate in them until the Holy Spirit's in you because they're gifts of the what? Spirit. It's not this equal thing to where tongues is spirit. No, tongues is a gift of the Spirit. Tongues is an empowerment of the Spirit. I can't speak in other tongues or languages interchangeably. I can't do that if I've not received Holy Spirit. It's not an equal. Healing is not an equal. Healing comes from who? Jesus. Healing isn't from me. It's not from you. It's from him. Prophecy. And many times these things have become perverted and misconstrued of, of, of who is really the gift giver. And, and then they've been abused. Let me just go, like, on Pentecostal Sunday, I'm, 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 I'm deconstructing some things. Prophecy was a heart gift to reveal the heart of a father. Prophecy was never meant to manipulate, guilt you into something, guilt you to give money, manipulate me wanting something from you, or a pastor, or a church, or a ministry wanting something. Oil was never meant to be sold on the TV. A prayer cloth, an anointing cloth was never meant to be sold on a TV. The gifts of the Spirit are not to be perverted. They're to be desired, to seek after, earnestly desire, be hungry for all of them, right? But simply when you're hungering after the gifts, it means I'm hungering after Him. I have a heart for these gifts. I have a heart to see these gifts manifest in our body. I have a heart to see you empowered by all these gifts. But the gift giver is our pursuit. Holy Spirit is our pursuit. We host his presence. We are a temple to host him. We are a temple to walk within and him upon us, right? All right. So, Pentecost Sunday. It wasn't just this crazy, wild, one-time event. It's this, it's this holiday that still happens in the Jewish custom. And, and in my opinion, 
Pentecost Sunday should be happening every day, even in our movement, where we receive the infilling of his spirit, where his spirit is upon us, where we walk in the miraculous, where, where the gospel's being preached, where Jesus is being lifted high, and we be his witnesses. Now here's the cool thing. Acts 1, that you will be my witnesses where? Here, nationally, and to the ends of the earth. When Luke then listed the 15 nations they were from, were that, was that the ends of the earth at that point in time? That was the ends of the earth. So then they all went, and they gathered, and they went. And thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands were added to the original Jesus people movement from that time. So here's, here's what I would love to pray, all right? We'll have our prayer team up here in a little bit, but I, I only had a vision for this, that we would just wait on the Lord, that we would just maybe put our hands out. Maybe, maybe we just wait. Maybe we come up front and just wait on the Lord. I think there's something powerful about the waiting. Here's what I notice in our culture, and sometimes even the way I grew up and sometimes the way we even took some of our youth to some things when we were youth pastors, the louder we yell, the higher we jump, the more he'll pour out. I, it's not true. It's not true. Now, I think there's things that we can do that, that maybe offer ourselves up as a sacrifice, that become submissive, that become maybe a little faith-driven, like, okay, Lord, I'm gonna lift my hands because I don't usually lift my hands. I'm gonna submit to you. I'm gonna give that to you. That's a sacrifice right now, okay? I'm gonna step out of my, my comfortable robe right now because that's a sacrifice. So I think there's some things we do, but I think we get very, very, very uncomfortable in these quiet moments. And I think it was probably a quiet waiting point, maybe. Although a fiery prayer of a righteous man avails much, or maybe not, I don't know. But I, I just feel like there's this moment where we just wait to see what happens and maybe there's a mighty rushing wind that will sweep in here. Maybe we'll walk out with flames of fire on our head. Maybe the fire department will be called. I don't know. I, I, I literally don't know. But I'm just saying, let's wait for a minute. Let's wait a few minutes. The band's gonna take it from here. Let's just see what happens. This thing lately of, of sing a song, just sing out. I will say this, you'll never speak in tongues if you never release a voice. You'll never speak in another language if you never make a noise. So maybe something will happen. Maybe you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit today with the baptism of His Spirit. Maybe, maybe you'll be baptized on fire today. Maybe you'll be totally submerged in His love today. What? Well, I don't know. Now, if it gets too awkward, just leave. Wait, no, let me, let me preface that. If it gets uncomfortable, stay. Who knows what may happen? If you get too weirded out and offended, that's not God, maybe leave. Come back next week. If you get bored, press in a little bit, or maybe you gotta go. There's some graduation parties happening. Maybe you just need to leave. We give you permission for that. All right, so we're just gonna wait. For those of us who can, those of you who can't, this is your dismissal. We love you, bless you. May the Lord keep you and shine his face on you. We're going to wait on Holy Spirit and see what happens.